welcome to another episode of We Are Not Wizards. My name's Richard, I'll be your host for 2018 or 2017 or maybe 2019, but um, we don't know, but after all it is your podcast. Um, Why have we jumped to years? Because joining me today is a guest who's writing or has written a book collaborating with other people which happens to take the world of Preston Printed Trees and put it all together in a book which is also pressed and printed trees. Um, it's been kicking around on Kickstarter. This is what we would call a quick start on the Kickstarter. The game is the board game book. The gentleman that's putting it together is Owen Duffy. So hello, Owen. Hey, how you doing? I'm very, very good. Um, uh, it's good to it's good to uh, to kind of speak because uh, we've been kind of sharing emails back and forth for a couple of weeks trying to get something yeah. organised so this is we've been trying trying to make this happen but you've been moving houses and things haven't you <laughs> been, yes you've been yeah you've been dealing with books I've been dealing with boxes so mm. <laughs> one or the other um, at present the, the campaign's got just under about two weeks to go mm-hmm. and uh, you're you're funded yeah we're fully funded we hit our uh, our target yesterday which is fantastic and now it's just a case of trying to uh, to get as many people interested as possible because the more we make from here, then the bigger the print run, print run we can do, the, work, the more we can promote the book. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, delighted and just keen to, to keep that momentum going. Cool. Okay. Um, now, for people that haven't listened to us for the first time, the reason that we do this is quite simply because we don't think there is enough podcasts out there about board games. Um, there's only a couple of us in Scotland actually, there's ourselves, there's the Unlucky Frog Gaming and there's also the Giant Brain, who are also known as Brainwaves. And the other reason that we do this is because we like to have, a, we like to speak to people who are in the middle of running their campaigns to find out a little bit about themselves as well as the campaign that they're running at the moment. So we're very, very pleased to have Owen come on and join us. So um, one of the things we like to do is we like to find out a little bit of a history yeah, uh, sure. About yourself, so we like to have a little bit, but a little bit of a look at the forward of the past, before we look at the main body of the present, and we look at, we look at the epilogue of the future. So, uh, I mean, how how do you get involved? How do you go from, how do you get into the hobby first of all, and then jump into kind of actually starting to kind of write about it? I mean, where where did yeah. you first kind of cut your cardboard teeth? Yeah, well, this is going way back. I mean, like most people, I played, uh, you know, Mousetrap and Connect Four when I was a, a little kid. Um, but really, you can look at when I got into the hobby back to when I was in primary school. Oh, right. And uh, somebody gave me a, a little Warhammer Goblin, one of the, the lead ones back in the days before uh, before giving pointy lead things to children was banned. Um, Did it taste nice? I, well, no, it's better than that. I shoved it in my back pocket and sat on it. Um so yeah um fortunately it didn't need a tetanus injection or anything but um that was memorable um so that was my my introduction to the hobby was getting jabbed in the backside by a a tiny goblin and uh from there i got into the whole games workshop thing which seems a bit odd given the circumstances yeah and uh yeah played warhammer played 40k blood bowl um, and from there i kind of discovered the world of rpgs and because i was uh a bit of a kind of rock kid, um, I kind of gravitated to World of Darkness. So I played a lot of Vampire the Masquerade, probably an age where I was too young for it. Yeah, um, I've had... heard it's a bit, um, 
it gets a bit um it gets a bit it's a bit violent it's a bit sexy and it, yeah uh-huh. and it's um you know everything that a 13 year old kid just kind of just wants you know um and yeah so i got the the books confiscated by my school that was that was an interesting conversation that they had really? with my parents about uh, are you aware of what owen's reading um but did yeah, they actually get you in the school did they actually they get did. the parents they in? did yeah um it, it did the was it was it a particular was the book a bit more well thumbed <laughs> but you find out the teacher had put like post-it notes and stuff like that about read oh yeah <laughs> For some reason, they'd left it in the photocopier. I don't know, but um, yeah. So, uh, got into RPGs, played those for a couple of years, and then really, I kind of fell out of the hobby a little bit. Yeah, and I got back into it when my wife and I were expecting uh, a, a wee baby, mm-hmm. and uh, we realised we are going to have like no capacity to go out and socialise for the next like two years. Um, Just so we two. We'd really... <laughs> we, well, we were naive at the time. The, you were the full yeah, extent of it was dawned on us. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, so we thought, well, you know, we'd both been into games in the past, uh, so we thought, let's see what's going on. Um, we got a wee collection with you know all the the gateway stuff, Carcassonne, Ticket to Ride, that kind of thing, and the idea was we'd get our friends round to uh, to come around to our place if we couldn't go out to the pub anymore. Um, and then, um, I mean, uh, the other kind of side of this, how I got into the, the writing side is that I've worked in media for a good few years now, started out at uh, Radio Scotland doing, uh, if anyone knows the, the Fred Macaulay show. Oh, right. um, okay. Yeah. I used to research and write for that, which was fun. All right, and, okay. So um, you write in comedy stuff then? Well, it was, uh, so Fred's show was sort of a, a kind of humorous topical kind of magazine thing. So, yeah. um, it was, you know, some some funny stuff, some some factual stuff, good mix. But um, and then from there, I moved on to the Guardian, doing kind of behind the scenes stuff there. And uh, the opportunity came up when they first started looking quite seriously at doing video games coverage. Yeah. Um, I said to them, "Well, look, there's some really interesting stuff going on here in the tabletop space. Some really interesting designers, and it's getting so much bigger and more popular." And uh, they went for it. They gave me a chance to to do it. They got me in. They got uh, Quentin Smith from Shut Up and Sit Down to do some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And it's just continued from there, which has been great. And that's led to opportunities to write elsewhere. And now finally to kind of collaborate with some of my favorite gaming writers and to, to do this book. Okay. So have you always been a little bit of a creative soul then? I mean, it's obviously it seems, sounds like you're, you, you've you gone from obviously the Warhammer days into RPGs. So were you yeah. were you a bit of a DM as well yourself then? Yeah, you I, I would. I would uh, and stuff? Yeah, I would run games more than I... Uh, more than I played characters, and uh, I almost always came up with my own scenarios rather than running pre-gens because just a big part of the appeal was sort of kind of creating these fictional settings and yeah. coming up coming up with these characters and uh, just kind of throwing them out there and seeing what the players did, how they reacted, where things went. Um, so yeah, the, the creative side was something that really drew me into it. And I mean, I think going back to Warhammer and 40k, I mean, all of the the influences there are all kind of, you know, sci-fi, horror, skulls, death, horrible aliens. Um, and that's all stuff that I got right into. Um, so, yeah, that, that kind of informed my my interest in other kinds of media, really. It kind of led me into appreciating heavy metal and sci-fi and kind of horror films and literature. Um, so, yeah, that, that whole kind of creative connection to gaming is something that's always spoken to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And of course, that I mean, it, was it kind of 
cool when you were kind of like working at the Guardian to be involved, so involved in kind of like the hobby, you know, where you kind of like, I mean, because one of the things you see about kind of like the video game writing is video game writing's never really, really well paid. And a lot of the video mm. game writing stuff seems to rely on people kind of getting kind of like uh, review copies and things like that to kind of keep them happy. So was it kind of, were you like, oh, cool, I'm in the... I'm kind of actually getting sat here. I'm getting paid here to kind of draft stuff up, write stuff up, and and things like yeah. that. Yeah, I mean it's it's obviously interesting to work in a, a an area that you're interested in anyway. Um, I mean I was doing kind of some kind of straight news reporting and stuff as well, which mm -hmm. um, you know um, that also is kind of interesting and challenging in all all sorts of ways. But um, just kind of being able to write about the hobby and particularly being able to introduce it to an audience that perhaps wasn't that familiar with it was really good. Um, because obviously, you know, folks like us, we, we kind of check people's YouTube channels and podcasts and we're on board game geek and, and yeah. all of that kind of thing. But um, I mean, there's a lot of people reading, um, you know, a site like the guardian who aren't died in the wool gamers who don't know that there's this kind of creative explosion that's been going on for years in the hobby yeah so just being able to to bring people into that um feels pretty good so when you i mean when you see some of the other publications kind of trying it and saying you know oh board games they're now really big aren't they and then they've got a picture a stock photograph of folks <laughs> kind of show monopoly and you yeah. still see you still see that and I know, and I think like that's there's such pressure in a lot of places on people to just kind of churn stuff out, you know. Um, there's places that want their their journalists to turn out multiple pieces per day, um, and they're putting people onto subjects in which they don't have any expertise, and you know that that leads to those kind of listicle. Um, I mean, like I've seen it in places like Cosmo did something, and uh, the Telegraph did a a really weird piece a couple of years ago about how. Uh, you know why board games are dying which was news to me yeah i kind of i remember actually seeing that i remember it, i remember seeing it in multiple places because i think it was copied over about seven or eight kind of their various kind of facebook groups and forums and things mm. like that just yeah like, ruff, ruffled a few feathers there everybody kind of like shakes head because mm. <laughs> it's kind of like oh okay where are you where are you kind of where are you kind of getting where are you kind of getting yeah. this were you did you kind of feel that you were kind of more evangelizing to people kind of like well maybe this is something you should try this is an actual very kind of vibrant and kind of live live life hobby yeah definitely that was part of it and i mean because there is so much interesting uh kind of innovative stuff coming out it does mean that there's plenty of good stuff to point people towards you know um and I mean, for for me, there is that desire to promote the hobby and to put it out there and to, to bring more people into this community. But by the same token, um, you know, games criticism is no good if you're just focusing on the positive. So it's kind of important to me to, even in a, a mostly positive review, to kind of point out, you know, are there some rough edges? Are there kind of places where a game might appeal more to one sort of player than to another? Mm -hmm. um, so. So yes, it's important to me to, to bring new people into the hobby, but also to give a sort of balanced balanced view of it that can kind of inform people's choices. Do you think we're kind of in danger of going down the video game route and becoming getting the kind of the, the 7 out of 10 thing, where it seems that that seems to be a standard mark if people aren't sure whether to say a game's good or a game's kind of bad? Yeah, well, I, I've always tried to avoid uh, any situation where I have to put uh, a kind of arbitrary score on a review. Yeah. Um, because to me, it's just, um, you know, it's, it, 
there's no accurate way to there's there's no objective scale that all games can be judged against you know they're all trying yeah. to create different experiences and different feelings and appeal to different people um but i mean i i, I do think there can be a tendency towards you know both positivity and negativity i mean it seems to me in video games more you have people who do the go the sort of safe seven out of ten route yeah you have people who go the other way and are really snarky about everything i mean there's people um who i've seen reviewing video games who if you look at what they're what they're actually saying they're actually pretty positive about a game but it's delivered in such a way that it just comes across as they you know they hate it and they're jaded and they're cynical yeah, um, yeah. Well, I was talking about this in relation to the industry still kind of finding its feet and still how you can critique things, which is mm-hmm. interesting that you kind of you spent some time with Quinns because you know they've managed to kind of reach that happy balance where they're able to say this game's really, really good, but also at the same time this box just completely befuddles me as to why it's kind mm. of this way. They so they kind of kind of mix the kind of the rough rough with the smooth yeah mm-hmm. i'm still i must admit i'm still kind of i don't understand review scores on board games because i'm looking at my kind of my box stop collection kind of behind me i mean i've got isle of sky there which is fantastic and i would mm. you know if i was scoring it i would give it a nine but i've got dead of winter there as well and if i was scoring that i'd give it a nine but i've also yeah. got you know i've got escape from cold it's castle I'd probably score it a nine. But the thing is, I could put those three different games in front of three different people and they would all walk away and say, actually, you know, guess what? Um, Kind of hidden traitor mechanics are not my bag. I don't like Mm -hmm. resource management. I don't like that kind of thing, which is kind of, which is kind of, kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. Do you, I mean, what do you prefer? Do you prefer, when you've been writing about the hobby, do you prefer writing about the hobby as a whole or do you prefer kind of doing the review stuff? I mean, what what would you prefer to do? Yeah, well, because I write for a couple of different places, I get to do some quite different stuff. I mean, uh, for Tabletop Gaming Magazine, for example, mm-hmm. I do a monthly feature piece where I interview the designers of kind of interesting or noteworthy or influential games. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of that stuff has just been really fascinating to me. I mean, you kind of dig into the stories behind these games and... Um, you get such an impression of the the sort of character of the designers and the kind of ideas that they're trying to express and what some of the influences influences on them have been not just in terms of kind of mechanical design of games but kind mm. of their life experiences and the the type of media that they you know the type of films or music yeah. that's fed into their their designs yeah. um, so that to me is some of the most interesting stuff that I do um, and then the the reviews I mean something that I write for tabletop gaming is going to be very different to something that I write for The Guardian because you have um, a more kind of informed um, kind of gaming audience in one of those one of those outlets. Yeah. Um, whereas, like with The Guardian, I can't even use some of the the sort of jargon and shorthand that is commonplace <laughs> to to folks like us. You know, if I say it's, like work worker placement, it's a worker or placement game, and they're just yeah. like that means you're putting things meeples. Is it a job center? Yeah, oh, yeah exactly. Is it, like, meeples. Yeah. Meeples are little wooden kind of uh, counters that you put on spaces. Uh, spaces are places where you and you can go on down the rabbit hole forever. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and I mean something that I try to do kind of wherever I'm writing is try not to to lean too heavily on the mechanical descriptions. Um, because to me, the, the 
the kind of experience of a game, the, the way that you feel when you're playing it, the sort of interactions that you have with your friends, that's the, the more interesting part. That's the bit that kind of draws me to the table and makes me curious whenever I get a, a new game and I, mm. I want to, to try it out. Do you think the games of Jing, the kind of the space is evolving that we should try and move away from these kind of general general views like a worker placement? And I you think... know, you know, it has it obviously it has its place as a general thing. But do you think it's too easy to kind of people are looking for labels in order to quantify making kind of like a buying decision? And sometimes they can miss an entire fantastic game mm. just because it's got a label, say like worker placement. Yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying. Like, um, you know, one thing that a discussion I had with someone recently was the term dudes on a map. Yes. Well, you know, what what does that mean? It means there's dudes and they're on a map, but what does it tell you beyond that, you know? Yeah, I mean, to um, me, um, Cry Havoc mm-hmm. is dudes on a map. Yeah. Um, Hero Quest is kind of dudes in a dungeon place mm-hmm. it's kind of where, where, where do you start how do you you know how do you define that how do you how do you say exactly what you're talking about i mean i know what you mean you're probably talking things like rising sun and things like that you know but is it then going into things like you know conan the barbarian are we talking about potentially yamatai are we talking about bunny kingdom are we talking mm-hmm. area control type of thing but as, mm-hmm. i mean i guess is that something that you're conscious about when you're writing and reviewing games especially if it's maybe something that's kind of crossing between two different genres yeah uh, i mean I, I i'm sure you know if people look up the the stuff that i've written they'll find plenty of uh times that i've failed and i've slipped into some of this terminology mm. but um you know to me um that that sort of mechanical description i mean that this kind of shorthand that we have as gamers kind of has its place because you know if i'm posting on a, a you know a forum post on board game geek then everyone who's reading that is going to know what everyone's talking about that's fine but if you're trying to kind of present something um, from a more, you know, just taking a step back and rather than analyzing it mechanically, rather rather than looking at like all of the individual pieces, you're looking at the game as a whole and kind of what it presents to players. Um, I think that taking a step back and tr- just trying to take a, a wider view and not get into these individual little mechanical bits um, can, can be valuable. I mean, on the other hand, like, if I'm writing a review, I will try to have like one, maybe one and a half paragraphs of mechanical description tops. Mm. And I'll try to zoom in on clever little bits of a design. But I mean, some, um, you know, some stuff that I read or some stuff that I watch on YouTube just literally runs through the rule book. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I've had this discussion. I, yeah. I mean, I wrote, um, I wrote a piece, um, about, uh, it was a Kickstarter preview and I thought, do you know what? I'm going to read ten of these, and they're all going to be about the fact that um, it's going to be here's the mechanics. This is how you play. So I turned it on its head and spent eight hundred words complaining about the fact the game was called Seals of Cthulhu but didn't have any seals in it. <laughs> um, but you know, because the way I look at it, well, if somebody reads it and then they click on the Kickstarter link. Is that kind of doing the same job as if yeah. somebody reads like a a Kickstarter preview? But I know where you're coming from. I mean, do you think that's where we kind of need to be mo- potentially moving to is kind of moving away from, you might as well say, here's the rule book, mm-hmm. read through that, and then I'll tell you what I think of it in the last sentence at the end. Yeah, and I mean, don't get me wrong, there's definitely a place for rules run-throughs, but to me that's not really a review. Um, and I think that if you want to draw a bigger audience to to the hobby, to games, to games criticism, then you need to 
kind of find what appeals to people and what appeals to people about any kind of media, any kind of art is, you know, themes, characters, feelings, emotions, expression. Um, and I think these are the things that I certainly prefer to focus on. Um, you know, it's what I prefer as a reader. It's what I prefer as a viewer. It's what I prefer to, to write about. Yeah. So, I mean, going, going into, because I always do this, I always talk to people for like 20 minutes about something completely random before we actually talk about the reason that they should yeah. appear on the show in the first place. Um, I mean, are you, is this you kind of moving into, are you Are you going to continue with the writing as it is? I mean, I'll take it, that's, that, that's the kind of the thing that puts kind of like food on the table and, and keeps a, a kind of a roof over the house. I mean, what kind of made you thinking, actually, let's... Um, Let's do something else. Let's kind of. Um, I want to do something different. I, I want to put the book together because when I first, there was two things when I saw the book. I went, oh, it's a book about board games, and then I went, I don't think I've seen a book about board games. I've not seen that many books. Yeah. About board games. Yeah. Well, the the sort of idea behind it came when I was in uh, the the Waterstones, which is the the big kind of chain bookstore in the UK in Glasgow, and. Um, they have a really big game section in there. They've got a, a board game section that's actually bigger than some game stores that I've been in. And, um, you know, there, there were these people who were kind of picking up Carcassonne, Ticket to Ride, Pandemic, um, and just kind of looking at the back of the box and trying to figure out what these things were. And I thought, well, wouldn't it be cool if there was a book you know, in this bookshop, sitting right next to those games on the shelf that just not only kind of explains what those games are, but um, kind of gives a bit more information on the hobby and some of the other stuff that's out there. I was thinking, wouldn't it be good to have uh, a sort of guide for people to kind of get them into the hobby to explain what these games are, yeah. what else is out there, and kind of just kind of take them through some of the options and introduce all of the, the cool stuff that's been coming out. Um, and then I thought, well, maybe you could make it a little bit wider reaching. Maybe you could, um, you know, not just have a guide for beginners, but something that kind of celebrates and explores and goes a little bit deeper into uh, the, these games and the stories behind them. Um, and, you know, as I said, I've been doing uh, designer interviews for Tabletop Gaming Magazine. Um, so I thought, you know what, maybe we could uh, include the designers and sort of really kind of put a bit of a spotlight on them and really celebrate their work and their creativity. Um, and to me, it's kind of like um, if you've ever read um, a music magazine and yeah. find a really interesting interview with one of your favorite bands or you've ever watched a, a DVD, you know, one of your favorite DVDs with the director's commentary. Um, it's not just interesting in and of itself, but to me, it sort of deepens my appreciation of the games. Um, because I was thinking this... of the um, the design works that you get from um, FromSoft for the Dark Souls games. Right, okay. Where they've got the actual interviews um with the designers in the kind of the last bits, you know, throughout the throughout the kind of the work so you learn actually more about the design decisions and the impact that external influences kind of had on those design decisions as well, which is mm -hmm. always kind of really 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 interesting. Cuz one of the things I'm always cuz when I speak to and I've spoken to you know, I was looking down the list of the content list of who you've got in the book and I was like, oh, spoken to them, spoken to them. But they've all, it's amazing how are, the individual designer's kind of life and the way it's kind of panned out affects, can affect the type of games that they go on to kind of create 
or give their kind of their first insight as well along as the type of games that they played, the type of games they had access to, what they were playing when they were kids, you know, from the very, very beginning. You know, yeah. I remember speaking to like Brad Talton who says, well, actually I was making card games when I was like eight or nine years old. And it's like why he's continued to kind of make stuff kind of go on, on which is always, which is always kind of, kind of really, really cool. And as I say, when I was looking at your book, I don't think I've seen anything like that like that before yeah i mean um one of the great things about this hobby and this industry is that a lot of the really kind of high up uh, people in it are quite accessible and quite willing to to speak to people you know um you don't have to wade through kind of prs and company representatives to to get to them first um so yeah being able to speak to you know matt leacock or reiner canizia or rob davio um, or Eric Lang, or kind of any of these people who make some of the the most acclaimed games in the hobby is great. And I mean, yeah. some of the stories that that you do end up getting, like um, you know, those those influences. Like I was speaking to uh, Don Eskridge, the uh, the guy who did the Resistance, mm-hmm. and we got into this really interesting discussion about uh, his background in improv theatre. Oh, um, okay. So the whole the whole idea of the Resistance and these kind of hidden, uh, you know hidden agendas, hidden identities came from uh, the sort of interactions that had come up between characters and his, his kind of comedy improv groups, um, which I just thought was amazing. That's like having played the resistance and played games like it, it's not something that would ever have occurred to me that that was the, the genesis of it, you know? Yeah. 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 And it's, it's little tidbits like that, that really just kind of um, just really appealed to me that, that really just hooked me. I mean, was the guys that, um, was the ones that when you were speaking to them, it kind of like surprised you, or kind of you were like, oh, okay, I didn't realise it was like this, or were you kind of aware of a lot of their kind of their background stories as it was? Yeah, well, I mean, you can do a little bit of research beforehand, um, you know, which is something I always try to do, just so I'm kind of coming in, um, like quite informed. I mean, one thing, Eric Lang, um, I was talking to him a little while ago now about uh, some of his his work on kind of licensed games like Star Wars or whatever and I yeah. said to him so you must you must like research um in, in great detail you must like just lock yourself in a room and watch the you know all of the Star Wars films back to back and he said no actually that's not what I do um what I do is like surround myself with people who are big fans of a particular franchise <laughs> and I see what it is that they talk about because yeah. that's the stuff that you know the stuff that's made an impression on them is the stuff that I want to bring across in in the game that's what I want to resonate through through the game design no i so, totally i totally understand that i could yeah. see you know i mean that's what you want because you could go down the line and say well actually i really like this bit in the return of the jedi with a little teddy bear ewok guys and everybody's going are you joking where where's darth vader yeah <laughs> exactly exactly was it i mean how long did it take to put things together i mean because that's not i mean oh, well, that's the, not the like something is, over the weekend. yeah the process is still ongoing believe me we're going to be working on this right up to our print deadline which is going to be around about october mm-hmm. um and that's because we're you know this is we're looking specifically at the year in gaming but we're counting the year as s and last year to s and this year right um just because that's how the, the release schedule goes in the industry really and um i mean we've done some of the uh the uh, critiques and some of the interviews already but we don't want to put a sort of uh, an arbitrary line on it and say right that's it because we know that between now and our publication date there are going to be a lot more really good really interesting games so what that means is that there's going to be more stuff added and you know uh, 
we'll have to be very diplomatic about it, but it could be the case that there's going to be some really good stuff coming out that bumps off some of the stuff we've already got planned. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just the, the nature of the hobby, the nature of the industry is that pretty much until we go to print, we're going to be chopping and changing the lineup, um, which is a little bit stressful when you've got to get it to the printers for a, a given date, you know? No, no, I can totally understand because I noticed like even in your Kickstarter, you've got kind of like, you've got a page, you've got a holder for like stuffed fables. Mm-hmm. Now, if I didn't have stuffed fables in there, I'd probably have Mice and Mystics in there instead. So I'm wondering, you've got stuffed fables, has Mice and, Mice and Mystics been kind of put to one side? Because I believe it's, well, it's Jerry that, I think it's Jerry Hawthorne. It is, yes, both of them, the, so. the same designer and that... Uh, that piece was actually uh, written by my, my colleague, Matt Thrower, um, and he loved it. He thought that, um, and you know, I, I think he, I think he was a, a fan of Mice and Mystics previously, as yeah. far as I know, but um, can he played it with his kids and he found that to be just such an interesting experience because that game is almost designed, well, as it, it's specifically designed for adults to play with their kids and to be this sort of, not just even a, a sort of GM figure, but a sort of storytelling guide to kind of discuss the the kind of moral implications of some of the, the stuff that happens in the game, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think mm-hmm. that's what really appealed to him. Is there people that... Do you still have like a holy grail list of people that you would like to have kind of featuring yeah, the book? Like or have the, you got everybody that you kind of the want? The one guy I have never been able to pin down is Richard Garfield. And, you know, I'm guessing that's because he's just spoken to so many journalists about magic over the years that he never wants to sit down for another interview <laughs> exactly. again as long as he lives, you know? And, um, you know, the the thing is, like, I, I don't want to piss anyone off by saying this, but I was thinking perhaps Bunny Kingdom for the book, but having played it at a UK Games Expo, I'm kind of reappraising that because I didn't really enjoy it that much. But please don't tell Richard Garfield I said that because that will probably scupper any opportunity I ever I'm have just, of, uh, of just nailing gonna, that interview. Just tweeting him. Just now, oh. just give me a second. Yeah, I've got him on DMs, you see. Right, okay. He's, he's my, um, he's my cousin. Your, your, oh, right. No, he's my cousin's wife, brother, so he comes right, around okay. every Sunday for dinner. Um, <laughs> I'm only joking. I don't know, I heard really, really good things about Buddy Kingdom, but then I've not had a time to, I've been kind of deciding to strip back and kind of go through kind of stuff that I have played once or yeah. twice, and I kind of want to play some more. But no, I can edit that about the podcast. It's fine. It's <laughs> no, the, no the, I will stand by my uh, my opinions. I played Bunny Kingdom, and I thought that it did some interesting things. Oh. But the so it's basically a, a card drafting game, and you're drafting cards to claim territory on a board and things like that. But you're also drafting cards that give you new victory conditions, new point scoring conditions, and we just ended up with so many different ways to score points at the end of the game that we were literally sitting there trying to work out the scoring for as long as we just played the game. <laughs> that might be because it was the third day of a convention and we were yeah. all just sleep deprived and, and starving and just ready to keel over unconscious. But, uh, you know, that was that was our experience of the game. When you Are you having to kind of like constantly be kind of playing games? I mean, is that the flip side of kind of getting stuff ready? Yeah, is it's it, Are you kind of sitting there with like a pile of games and oh, saying... The, the sheer I've, workloads, yeah. Um no, I mean, in all seriousness, yeah. Um, one of the things about doing this for a job is that you're taking something that is your hobby 
and you're making it a source of, of pressure, you know, if you're, you're suddenly applying kind of deadlines and, you know, people have got expectations of you and, and things like that. You've got situations where, you know, you've got the game that you really want to play, but it just sits for, you know, a month or six weeks yeah. taunting you while you play all the stuff that you've got to write about. Yeah. Um, and I know that sounds like a completely uh, invalid complaint to make because, you know, ultimately um, I'm playing games, I'm doing something that I'm interested in, but, you know, for me, games have been such a, a kind of safety valve and a, a stress reliever um, over the years. And sometimes when they do become a source of stress, a source of pressure, that can kind of have implications. No, no, I totally see where you're coming from. I mean, I've been, I've reviewed video games myself. I've been down the situation where I've stayed up until goodness knows what time to, to try and get a, a game finished to, to play a deadline. I mean, I completely understand with the same with board games as well because board games, they're so subjective mm. in that you could be you can be in the situation where if you are had or if you have had a bad day and you're really not into it, you're not clicking with it, you're sitting with the wrong people who aren't having the best day ever. It happened to me with Dinosaur Island when we first right. played uh, uh, Dinosaur Island when it kind of arrived and everybody was sitting around the table and it was obviously it just we almost lost a couple of people straight away because the route there was certain rules that we needed to go back and double check and that always kind of put stuff in but we weren't kind of in the mood to do it but the next time i played it i played it with the kids and we rattled through it and we had a you know we had a really really good good kind of time so that i can yeah. see that what kind of games i mean what's what's on the kind of i'd really like to play list just now that you, not ones that you want to buy but ones that you've got sitting there that you say well, i really want to crack open the cellophane and get get punching and get playing uh, i still haven't had a chance to try rising sun um and i really enjoyed blood rage so i'm kind of keen to see how some of the the ideas there are developed let me just mm -hmm. look at my my pile of shame what have i got <laughs> Everything's all over the room as well because I'm doing photography, so I've got yeah. various components scattered everywhere. Oh my goodness. Uh, uh, well, I've got the chameleon, which looks kind of intriguing, and uh, another um, kind of uh, kind of hidden information game, Decrypto. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Which I, I, I've read the rulebook for that. It looks interesting. That's uh, you know you're going over multiple rounds trying to kind of guess code words um, on your your opponent's side, and um, you, over each round, you kind of gradually introduce or kind of decipher more information. Um, and I love a lot of those kind of quite kind of sociable, quite brainy, quite um, kind of linguistically interesting games. And then, I mean, the other thing that I don't really get time for these days is uh, kind of getting back to some RPGs. Um, and I know there's like the, the new edition of uh, Vampire the Masquerade coming out this year, which, you know, my, my inner kind of teenage, teeny goth really wants to, to give a shot and see what they've done with it. Um, and I'm actually sitting just now with uh, Tales from the Loop. Oh, yeah. Which is uh, a sort of weird kind of Spielbergian um, kind of RPG about uh, kids in Sweden uh, living near what's basically like the Large Hadron Collider. And it makes all these weird kind of interdimensional robots and, and kind of technologies and creatures and things appear uh, in their, their small island community. Um, and I'd just love to give that a shot because it's something so different from the kind of stereotypical dungeon crawler. Um, so yeah, that's that's the kind of stuff that I would like to, to get around to playing. And, um, you know, hopefully one day when 
uh, board games are their respected art form and the, the kind of highly lucrative field of journalism that they deserve to be, then yeah. I'll be able to, to take some time to do that. <laughs> I mean, are you at the moment, are you actually, if you're taking time off work, you're actually using time to play board games that you want to play <laughs> as opposed to playing yeah. board games that you kind of have to play. Pretty much, yeah. Um, <laughs> which, it's just as well my wife's a gamer as well, really, because, you know, I, I think it would be too much for 99% of spouses. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean certainly, um, I know that. I know that situation. I mean, my, my wife doesn't play... She doesn't play board games, um, not without trying, but um, you know it's just one of these things that um, it just it's just something that's never kind of um, it's never kind of really really kind of happened. Well, I'm well hoping, done for accepting that, you know. I, I I there's a point where you kind of keep on just saying, well, what about this? What about that? What about this? And then it's you're trying to explain, like say like if we going back to worker placement, trying to explain what worker placement is, and it's kind of like, well, that sounds a bit rubbish mm. and it's like yes it does um technically it does but let's play viticulture and i'm pretty sure i'll kind of um i'll kind of change your mind but you know it's never going to go as it's not as going to go as far as this so what we're saying is if if i are the i am the caring man that i am that if i if i get her the board game book for christmas that oh yeah it's a, t- it's a tool of coercion yeah <laughs> Um, I was thinking more as an informative guy to help her gently introduce her into the hobby, that, but yeah, don't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was thinking of play, play, play the you know game. That, you know that episode of the, the Simpsons where it's Marge's birthday and uh, <laughs> she gets a, a ball, that's, a bowling ball that says Homer on it. Yes, I think you might be doing something a little bit similar there. To be to be perfectly honest, but yeah, it's like going out and buying everything in the Studio Ghibli correct collection and say, "But honey, you like anime? Do I?" <laughs> You like spirited away. Did I? Did I fall asleep? Um, yes. <laughs> but you like it anyway. But I mean, say I mean, if they're listening along tonight and saying, but I don't know why I'm listening along tonight because it's not like he's talked much about the book. What can they expect when they open the book? I do yeah, this all sure. the time, Owen. I mean, this is this is you know. Yeah, no, I've, I've I I know your format. I know that it's it's free form. Um. But yeah, um, so in terms of the actual the, the actual plugging of the book, um, this is going to be about a 250-page hardback. Um, it's going to have uh, insightful reviews of about 100 of uh, what we reckon are the, the best games of the year in different categories. And it's going to cover everything from kind of family games and kids games right through to uh, kind of medium weight uh, kind, of, uh, kind of euros right through to... Uh, your your big kind of Twilight Imperium size kind of epic strategy challenges. Um, we're also, you know, as I was talking about, we're going to have these designer interviews. Uh, our goal is to interview every designer that has a game featured in the book. Um, and there's, you know, we've already done some really interesting ones. Um, one of my favorites so far has been with Jacob Jaskov, who's the uh, the creator of Fog of Love. Mm-hmm. Um, which really impressed me. Um, and then finally, it's all tied together with some really nice uh, studio photography of all the games showing off the components and the artwork because the, the sort of visual appeal of these games and the tactile appeal, to me, is one of the, the really great kind of draws. Um, it's what kind of grabs people's attention in the first place, you know? Um, and I actually, I, I took a, a college course uh, in photography um, before I kind of started this project so it's great to sort of combine those those interests 
So what's the door? What's the door price? How'd you get in? Yeah, How sure. How much is so, it going to cost to get? If to you're enjoy? one of the, if you're one of the sensible, intelligent, attractive people who backs us on Kickstarter, then uh, it's going to cost you twenty pounds. <laughs> Just other sensible, attractive people do exist. <laughs> Terms and conditions available on request. Um. But if you back us on Kickstarter, it's going to be £20, and that gets you a copy of the book, it gets you a PDF, an EPUB, uh, and it also gets your name in the acknowledgement section, which I think is pretty cool. Um, and it's, that's also £3 off the retail price, because if you get it in the shop, it's going to skin you 23 What I mean, okay, just as a quick aside, what are you doing in terms of distribution then? I mean, is that... I mean, this isn't like... I mean, obviously, this is a slightly different... It's a slightly different bag of cats to your kind of your board games, but are you still kind of like approaching? You mentioned Waterstones. Yeah, so well, let me tell you, if you like kind of heavy, complex resource management Euro games, yeah. then you would love book distribution. Um, <laughs> we're currently, so we've got uh, retail distribution to game stores through a large uh, distributor who I don't know if I can actually mention them yet. But, um, you know, if I say a large UK distributor, then I'm sure about like 75% of your uh, your audience will probably realise who that is. Okay. Uh, the book retail side is a lot more difficult because the distributors want to see a physical printed copy before they'll take it. So that's something that's going to, uh, we can certainly put the wheels in motion now. And we've been speaking to companies about that, but that's something that won't be confirmed until you know, the, the actual product's ready to, to hit the shelves. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've also been speaking to some distributors in the US and the, the uh, gaming trade side of things. Um, so we're very keen to have it available in, uh, in American and, and North American uh, game stores as well. And then finally, we're going to be on all the online platforms. So you'll be able to get it on Amazon and digitally on your Kindle, your iPad. Um, so yeah, we're just trying to cover as many bases as possible. Okay, okay. Is that been a whole different kind of skill set? Because obviously you've done the writing, you've done the journalism, content creation and everything like that. Is this been a completely new kind of skill set that you've had to kind of learn in a relatively quick period of time as well? Yeah, it has been. And I mean, um, one of the, the things that has been useful is having kind of people around me who have a bit of a background in that sort of thing. Um, like we've had advice from kind of people who have been um, kind of like book buyers for major bookstores and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've just been kind of bothering people for, you know, pointers and, and hints and people to, you know, contacts of people to talk to. Um, but it's been really interesting doing it. And the other thing, um, you know, obviously I've, I've written stuff for other publications, but this is the first time that I have really been in a, a kind of editorial position. Yeah. And I've really enjoyed working with, uh, with Matt, Terry and Richard, who are the, the co-contributors. Um, and, you know, it's, it's great to work with some of my favorite games journalists and um, just to kind of combine their their skills and to, to kind of have their enthusiasm and their energy. Um, and it's just, it's a bit of a dream come true, really. Has it been also different kind of having to get on, on board on the promotion stuff? Because I'm guessing that apart from, you know, I'm guessing that you like kind of like Tabletop Magazine deal with the kind of the tweets and the marketing for that and obviously the guardian has its own probably lovely section that that deals with all that as well yeah has that also been something that you've kind of went oh i'd better try and get the name out on this otherwise it's not going to get made yeah and i mean it's um 
you know, it's I, you're you're quite right. Like one of the things that I enjoy about writing for other publications is that you know, if you're trying to establish a podcast or a YouTube channel or something, then you've got to do all of this behind the scenes work to try and kind of build a bit of buzz around it and kind yeah. of be part of a, a community around it. Whereas I just get to kind of file my copy and say you know thank you very much i'll see you next month um so this has been it has been um kind of picking up a new skill set and i'm not the world's best on the whole kind of social media kind of thing yeah um like i didn't even have a facebook account before i started this project because i think mark zuckerberg's just a a creepy deeply creepy individual um (laughs) humans drink water (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah like the the stories about like um you know, do you remember he said he was only going to eat animals he killed himself? <laughs> and like everyone said, oh, that's great. He's being a, a kind of responsible omnivore. But yeah. at the back of my mind, there was just this wee voice saying, maybe he just enjoys killing animals. There's maybe just that there's there's a wood out the back of the Facebook yeah. headquarters. And he's just like leaping around like some kind of feral animal. Yeah, like he's got the Rambo sharpened, face paint on. and the with sharpened teeth. Just going, <laughs> going after squirrels. Yeah. I mean, it's like Mindy. Where's your dog? I'll let her run out the back. And <laughs> no, no, you can't do that. Mark's on his attack. <laughs> Just to that's, come that's when he gets the special. That's when he gets the special camouflage hoodie on. Exactly. He's like, oh no, Mindy, your dog's just been tagged. <laughs> but um, yeah, but I mean, is that that's been is that kind of like being? Oh my goodness, um, I need to I need to kind of get out there on the Facebook page and get the tweets out there and and kind of contact people and reach out to people and do kind of like the networking. I mean, yeah, was it easy? It was it easier to do that? Was it easier to do that because you kind of had the connections, or was it a case of I actually now need to be engaging with content creators? myself when i have formerly or i'm currently a content creator yeah i mean it was definitely the latter and you know i had some contacts with people um you know just um from kind of meeting them at conventions and and all that kind of thing which is great mm-hmm. um and you know i do enjoy um, kind of speaking to people who are you know enthusiastic about the hobby and uh you know that that side of things is great it's just the uh the more sort of formal social networking side of things. It's, um, you know, I'm, I'm one of these people who's always preferred having like a small group of real world friends rather than a, a kind of big group of, of kind of Facebook followers. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it's been, a, it's taken a little bit of um, kind of overcoming some of my own ineptitude on that front, but I think I'm doing okay. Um, but the thing is like so much of the stuff that's really effective isn't the, the kind of set piece um, kind of like Facebook ads or, or anything like that is no. kind of generating that word of mouth that's, you know, somebody likes an idea and they tell their mate about it and because they're enthusiastic about it, then their mate gets enthusiastic about it and then they tell their cousin and she tells their, you know, girlfriend or, or whatever. Um, and um, that, I think, is where most of the the backers and most of the interest in the book has come from. Yeah. Well, as I say, it's we funded. I mean, this is gonna happen. There is yeah. gonna be a kind of a, there's gonna be a board game book that's gonna be kind of out there. Um, where do you guys exist on the internet webs? If they've listened sure. along tonight, where can we find you? Yeah. Okay. So we are at boardgame-book.com because someone registered boardgamebook.com years and years ago and hasn't actually used it. Um, 
we are on Kickstarter. If you go in there and search for the board game book, yes. or uh, you can find us on uh, Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, if you just look up the board game book on any of those platforms, you'll find us. Excellent. And of course, what we'll do is we will make sure that we put all those links in the show notes so that we have notes to show. Um, if you want to keep an eye on what we are up to, go to the Googles, search for We're Not Wizards. You'll find us on a plethora of places and platforms. Unlike Owen, I am shallow and self-centered, so I have about 4,000 people that follow me on Twitter that I have no idea who they are, um, which is always good. Um, but you can also find us on places like Facebook. We are on uh, YouTube. You can also find us on um, places like Instagram, which oh, for some so reason... Much, you're so much better than this at me. <laughs> and... Um, you can catch us on places like Spreaker and Stitcher and Acast and Podknife and obviously Podbean itself. You can go to our website, which is wearenotwizards.com. You can go to our blog spot, which is wearenotwizards.blogspot.com. We've written a couple of bits. If you don't go and visit, as we keep saying, we're going to write some more. So go and see us so you can stop us. It sounds um, like it would be easier to list the places they can't find you. <laughs> We are everywhere. I mean, we're also an Apple podcast. And as we say, if you like what you've listened to, then jump over to Apple Podcasts and give us a subscription. If you like us even more than that, consider giving us a rating or a review. And as we say, if you are going to give us a rating or a review, don't give us a 10 because it makes us big-headed. But don't give us a 1 because I'm an ugly crier. Give us a 5 because it's in the middle and it's average and we are decidedly average but the gentleman who's not been average tonight who's been rather interesting and a pleasure to speak to has been the one the only the wonderful the fantastic mr owen duffy so thank you very much for coming on sir well, thank you for having me it's been great and there's only two more things to do the first thing is to remember that we are many things but we're not wizards are we wizards owen uh i don't know no one's ever actually clarified that. Are you not a wizard? I'm definitely not a wizard. Right. I'll take that as a no from you. Okay. And the second thing is to say goodbye. So it is a goodbye from Owen. Say goodbye, Owen. I'll see you later. Thank you. And it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe, roll sixes, and check out the board game book because um, Christmas isn't that far away and um, it could be a good present for somebody who loves the hobby already it could be a good present for somebody who's looking to get into the hobby it could be just good to just have sitting on your coffee table just to you know just to have a, a look a read um and find out some more stuff about the hobby that you don't know anything about um but until the next time goodbye <laughs>